Welcome to Matter of Fact, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and quite frankly, I am still incensed by the new anti-abortion legislation in some parts of our country that like truly is more cruel and misguided than I can even begin to break down in an intro. Uh, But yeah, it's horrific and I felt like I had to mention it. Uh, I am joined by my co-host and producer, Saraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, miniopolitan millennial who will carry the energy of Jen Psaki clarifying that the president respects women enough to allow them to make their own choices into this fourth wave of COVID. Yes. On Matter of Fat, we talk about the cultural politics of fat liberation with a Midwest perspective. In this episode, we're diving into what's possible, an interview with Ben Voas, and fat suits in the dirt and discourse. Yep, we're getting into all of that as, as a, a matter, matter of fact. In our conversation with Ben, he cited this cool resource he had been engaging with and shared a prompt that Kat and I have definitely heard about before, and it's just like a really big question. Basically, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? Or another way to think about it, who would I be if I wasn't afraid? You know, this question is often shared alongside prompts to help us, you know, assess our purpose in life or naming our goals or things like that. Okay, but to be honest, I usually hate it. (laughs) This is the prompt I'm like forever skipping over because it rarely speaks to me or I'm usually um, I find it to be like both not at all helpful and also like way too vulnerable to like even get started on, which, okay, you know, like we all contain multitudes um, (laughs) with me and my goal setting questions. Um, But when Ben posed this question as part of our interview, it really just hit me differently. And, and that's why I'm just really excited to talk about it. So yeah, let's talk about it. I love how we we're both like, yeah, we've heard this before. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I use it in my work quite a bit to think about possibility yeah. and you know ways that we can be creative and action oriented. And also at the same time, it's like mm, many decisions in my life have been fear based. So why would I take yeah. that away now? So wild that we're going to talk about it on a podcast and just like broadcast it out into the wide world. We're just doing it. Um, and to that end, you want to go first, Soraya? <laughs> no. So I know rude. I'm in the notes first, but wow. you just were starting a really good little thing there. Um. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> well, I – okay. So I have kind of worked with this concept a lot, uh, either with asking others about it or yeah. even teaching it through something called Designing Your Life, which I think I've mentioned here maybe once or twice before. But – I, can way, I interject like, for a moment to yeah. use to use Sophie's language? You're a hoe for design your life. Did I do it right? Did I do it right? <laughs> I think Sophie, our assistant, says I'm a slut for designing your life. <laughs> Someone recently, someone recently told me they were a hoe for ranch dressing. I was like, you oh, and me. No. <laughs> that is just like a Midwest. Uh, level that I can't attain to. Okay, this was I, like This is a controversial opinion. I don't love ranch dressing. Oh I don't God. care about it. It's not it for me. More ranch for me to be dipping in. Okay, but 
I, I really, city I'm sorry. I like interjected trying to be cool. You can take us out if you want to. Please I will continue. Not. <laughs> this Damn. isn't the final. Um, okay. So designing your life is this, uh, this framework out of Stanford. It was a course that was taught and I, I believe undergrad, but it's this design thinking perspective to your life. So instead of building out products or programs, like what would happen if you were innovative and conceptual about how you want a to design a well-lived life. And so what I think, you know, if the question, what would you do if you weren't afraid is too woo-woo for you or just like too big in general, I think one of the concepts that comes out is like mapping out the next five years. And one of those maps, because you build up like three different Mm five-year plans for yourself. But the final, the boss map is what would you do if money or people's perception didn't matter to you? Because oftentimes, obviously there are other fears that come to play like death and uh, I don't know, sickness perhaps, or just anything, financial Mm -hmm. collapse, all that good stuff. But if you are just really looking at what drives you, what makes you a happy whole person, um, and if you could remove other people's Um, perceptions or thoughts or concerns and then the money barrier that really opens up and frees up people's minds in a lot of big ways and I would say for sure for me uh peak Capricorn energy over here money is always a barrier (laughs) money is always a way to stay anchored and and realistic and to maybe not do things uh because money complicates things cash rules everything around me oh my god I can't believe I just said that but um I guess that's another question I would put out there how does that land for you uh in terms of money stuff or just generally just like reframing it that way a little Mm. bit Uh, the way that it happens in the design your life framework yeah yeah what I think that aligns a lot with like the things I'm afraid of and I think that's also part of the reason why this question feels like complicated for me and the reason why I'm constantly skipping over it in these like (laughs) journals because I don't want to answer it because on the one hand I feel like I'm not there like I have done some things with my life that other people would be afraid to do and I think I cling to that like well I'm already doing the things I'm afraid of but like am I really though because those things aren't very scary for me Mm -hmm. um it's the, it's the money, though. And I know there are some other things I can speak to besides money, but, like, almost all of my fears or the, mm, almost all of the things that I maybe choose not to do are because I'm afraid um, of going bankrupt, you know, because I'm afraid of not being able to support myself. And I think there is, like, a specific um, space I'm in because I own my own business and I work for myself. So it's sort of like I've, I've chosen this path. And so I feel even more, um, I mean, then it moves into like the other part of that is like, you know, like, what would you do if money weren't something you had to think about? And if people's opinions weren't something you had to think about, Mm -hmm. I like think because of the line of work I'm in and the way I've lived, chosen to like live my life and support myself, that if things don't go well financially, there's even like more what I perceive to be like scrutiny from other people. Um, like, oh, well, if you would have just like stuck with your full-time jobs cat and like moved up the ladder, you probably wouldn't be in a, you know, a, a poor money position. That's like, you know, the story I feel like the story I tell myself that people would say, who knows what they'd say. Right. But right. Yeah. So I think like how that lands for me, kind of the exact same, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, because, because money and people's perceptions, I think are the, some of the biggest things, um, that I am like thoughtful about in, yeah, thinking about what I do if I wasn't afraid of those. Yeah. 
so okay so those are the fears but like yeah. what would you do what would we do if we take those yeah. away I don't know I think for me I would maybe make um some bolder business decisions like you know I, I know we're not saying like go through life with the energy of a mediocre white man because like that it, it's like yes it makes sense and also it's problematic but like reminding myself that there are there are men out here specifically like young primarily white men startup owners founders etc who are just playing fast and loose with other people's money and don't give a fuck and here i am being like oh my god can i like oh, i you know am i able to like you know pay this back to my bank or am i able to do this and it's like the things that i'm worried about like are so small compared to the things like that that worry these other people in these other situations you know so i don't know mm -hmm. i think that if i was less concerned about money um i would make different choices with my business and maybe even you know if capitalism wasn't a thing and i didn't have to worry about how to fund my life i think i might um do i don't know i think i might do things a little bit differently but like still it's hard for me to kind of even um get out dream of that about mindset. yeah dream about like what that would maybe even be yeah. Well, I know when I've done this exercise with other people, there's been some really interesting things that pop up. So one was like um, going from city to city in, in the U.S. or internationally and showcasing talent, whether that be uh, like artists, performers, um, or other things like that, both local and then worldwide mm -hmm. in each like these pop-up events. And then also they were working in like somehow doing an adoption for like pets and <laughs> the same no. thing and it was just merging all of these goals that this person has like these yeah. dreams that this person has another person came up with this like sabbatical commune space so like anytime somebody needs to take a sabbatical regardless of whatever sector they work in or live in they can come and they can meet with other people who are maybe doing creative projects or, or not or doing anything but just like have some time away from their life to figure out what they want to do next I and I, yeah, yeah I was like I go there in a heartbeat also yeah. a um, is it nine perfect strangers I don't know um, oh my god Ugh. we're not talking <laughs> no I read the book the book was awful it was so oh, really? fatphobic oh my god it was just horrifically fatphobic yeah oh, so I, I uh, hope that the there's better for the show is not not, but it's not bad. Like I'm not okay. Melissa McCarthy is in it, and I think she yeah. it's my favorite role with her ever so oh, far. Oh, that's which is interesting. Yeah. I love I'm that. Really, I'm really struck by her outfits and her choices. But yeah, there's a little. I mean, with everything, there's a little fat phobia. Yeah. Um. But anyways, that's not we, okay. We but could Saraya, get off. you're yeah. so great with sharing like what other people have thought about. What have you thought about around this question? Yeah. Well, I think well. In the context of what Ben was talking about, it was about identity, right? Like gender right. identity yeah. or also just like living your life. And so I don't know that I'm thinking of it through that framework. I'm thinking of like where do I want to be, what my environment would look like, yeah. what I want to be doing on a regular basis. And honestly, right now, I want to live in the woods or like woods adjacent and have a coffee shop slash community space that doubles as like a pantry for the community and bake shop. Mm -hmm. And that would be great. Or another thing that I think doesn't fit our current time period would be um, like a travel show host. Because when I was Ugh. in middle school, I loved the travel channel. That was before I got to like the level it's at right now or yeah. even like travel vloggers and all of that. But like I would love to just travel the world and 
share my experiences with other people, that would be amazing. So that would be incredible. And you'd be great at that. Oh, I think travels on my like list too. Like if these things weren't an, like, um, if I didn't have to consider, you know, these things, these fears, like what I would do. I mean, real life me is like, you know, Airbnb looking to see like how much I could, you know, spend to go live in Frankfurt for a couple months. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's like really wishful thinking right now. Whereas like, yeah, those things weren't and bogging me down. Maybe that would feel more realistic. Um, okay, I can share like one real vulnerable answer to this though, because I feel like I'm really talking around things and not actually answering. Which you is sure are. I wasn't gonna say anything for a while, but you got us there because like I keep asking you a question and you say, I don't know, money. Da, da, da. Okay, get to but, the I mean, juicy but, stuff. But I hope. I mean, I hope it's clear. Like I don't mean to belabor this, but like, and like I know there's like money mindset work I need to do, but like money is just very huge for me in terms of like standing in my way for things, but. Uh, besides like money and I guess death is a fear too. Okay. So I have two juicy things. One death. I never thought about it like this until, so in one of Phoebe Robinson's books, she was like, why I I should have found the quote to share with y'all, but basically she was like, why do I like try so hard at stuff? Like, why am I like working so hard? Why am I writing all these books? Why am I doing all these projects? Like, why am I so go, go, go? And she's like, um, I think it's because I'm afraid of dying and I want to make sure I get this stuff in before I die. And I was like, oh my God, Phoebe, <laughs> I, I never knew the answer for me either until you just said that. And wow, it really like struck me, you know? Um, so I think that I like, I think I, I mean, I am clearly afraid to die. Um, and I think that if I wasn't, I wonder if I felt like I would live forever or like live a long, long life. Um, I maybe would like take more time with stuff or be less like on a schedule on my goal schedule, you know? Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Not to say I don't think I'll live a long life. I just think there's like so much unknown. And the other thing, I guess this is the actual juicy one. I think if I wasn't afraid, I would just be like a lot less guarded with my heart and a lot less like if I didn't worry about like rejection or specifically like heartache or being like, I think as much as I would love to be, you know, in a a coupled up specifically in a fat power couple. Um, I, uh, I, you know, that while that is aspirational for me, I do think, um, I'm afraid of being like that, like very deeply intimately connected with someone, um, if in like a long-term way. And so, yeah, I think if I wasn't afraid, I would be more free uh, in pursuing people and like falling in love easily and not being worried about like getting hurt or disappointed or that kind of thing. And also, I think I fear that like I would be disappointing or I would be the one hurting someone else in those scenarios. So if like fear mm. was just gone, I think I would be a lot more, a lot more open to like love and commitment and intimacy. Which is actually a really nice tie-in to our interview with Ben. I like how we're giving everybody like spoilers to this, but just yeah. about like how to be a more loving person on a regular oh, basis. Yeah. And some of these big questions. So there are other questions that Ben drops in the interview that I think demonstrate how much he's thought about this and why, you know, he is able to be as kind and thoughtful as he is. And what I'm hearing from you, Kat, is that you are interested in pursuing these like 
being unguarded and just like absolutely loving and open hearted with everybody. But it would take a lot of bravery to do that. And understandably so. And also the whole thing I'm going to bring back to designing your life because word on the street is I'm a slut for it. Um, You sure are. (laughs) um, Is that you know, okay, so you have this amazing plan that would take place if money wasn't an issue, if other people's opinions of you weren't an issue. But like, you don't have to do that. What are what's like the core of that action or those outcomes? Yeah, like and what elements you... of that can be part of your actual life? Yeah, and like, why is it so enticing to you? Because then you could figure out like proximate things to that and things that are actually feasible to do on a regular basis so that, oh my gosh, I'm thinking of a future interview. I can't say anything more than that, but like, um, maybe here's an Easter egg for everybody. Like if you were to die tomorrow, did you enjoy the life you live today? Mm-hmm. Which I think fits mm-hmm. in really well to this. So I think yeah. how can you just design your life to be more enjoyable and align with who you are at your core as much as possible? And yeah, look at this like powerhouse question from Ben that hit a little different and got us here. So thank you to Ben. <laughs> and also this is all, yeah good previews to get you into our interview with Ben Boaz. Ben, we are so thrilled to have you as our guest today. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a good welcome back. Uh, You were a major voice in our Men as a Matter of Fat mini from season three. And we're excited to make sure that everybody hears you full out in a full on episode, full interview. I'm honored. Yeah, we would love to know a question that we ask everyone. What is your story as a matter of fat? So my story, my life as a matter of fat feels in progress, feels, um, feels good. So I has sort of chunkier or perceived myself as fatter most of my life. But I don't know that that was based in reality. It was just, you know, pressures on teenagers and then um, became fatter in college and sort of came to fat liberation um, and body positivity, as you guys talk about sort of a, a intro that many people stumble into. I would say on Tumblr 2014, if mm-hmm. there's anybody else out there. <laughs> yeah, many, um, many of people. Yes. <laughs> so that is sort of where my fat liberation journey began. I was actually in a play as well um, that was about, um, I believe it was called Fat Pig. And it did not have a very nice ending for the fat character, um, which I played, but it was a good conversation with other fat friends about about being fat. So, um, there, that is from then I've been more at peace with myself. Um, sort of not, not being hard on myself is sort of where this fat journey has taken me. It's sort of a, an exploration and acceptance of my body as is and, a broader definition of what do I like about myself and who do I want to be not limited to just what number do I want in any given area. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
I'm sure we'll get into it, but that it's sort of, well, the fat liberation, body positivity, viewing myself with more kindness and curiosity also helped me when I was figuring out my gender. So for me, there's a lot of parallels between the two, an awakening of um, fat liberation and an awakening of gender identity happened sort of back to back. So I think for me, they are they are a related part of my story. That's incredibly interesting, Ben. Would you mind just like telling our audience a little bit more about that kind of awakening or understanding in regards to fat liberation and also gender identity? Sure. So I am a trans man, um, maybe lowercase m. <laughs> um, I came to explore my gender in right around 2015, right? So if I'm exploring fat liberation in 2014, awakening to gender feelings in 2015, they're, they're blending together, right? One informs mm-hmm. the other. So um, around 2015 is when I sort of had my first moment of something is something is different something is um not about my gender is not feeling the way that i'm used to um and actually specifically i had um several times in my life i've cut my hair i've grown my hair out short and cut it grown it long and cut it short and i had another round of that and i cut it short and i looked in the mirror and i was like who is that like who is staring at me Mm -hmm. sort of this um this moment of seeing yourself in a new light. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that can happen gradually for over many people's journeys of, Oh, I'm going to try some different things about my look. But when you cut your hair, it is a a night and day kind of thing. And so I grappled with what I am seeing in the mirror is um, not something I'm used to. I'm, and it was a, it was truly a moment of panic, right? And mm. interestingly, the way I responded to that was to that night I was going out with friends, um, had a very, I like went out super feminine in a way that I never did. Um, and looking back on that, that's like a moment of gender panic, right? I'm like, I have this feeling, I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to lean on what I know. Um, and as time went on, I questioned that more and more. Um, about what do I, what do I really want? What makes me happy? Um, what gender expression, what clothes, what perception of myself, what other people's perception of me makes me happy. And I could only, um, you know, obviously in lots of therapy at this time, it's a journey you need support in. Um, and I couldn't think about it in terms of like, what do I want 10 years from now? Who do I want to be when I'm old? Do I want to be an old man, an old woman, an old non-binary person somewhere in the middle? Uh, No, I couldn't do all that. I was thinking about um, what do I want today? What feels good today? What do I want in the next week, in the next month, in the next six months? Those were types of questions that I could handle. And for anybody who is... um, going on any type of discovery journey, but especially about gender where it feels sometimes like the stakes are so high. Um, Absolutely. 
break it down into little baby steps, right? I don't need to know where this journey goes. I just need to know what what is the next step that I want to take and trust intuitively which what of that step is going to be kind to myself, is going to bring relief and joy. Um, and so lots of these things, lots of these questions um, parallel to what I think a lot of questions fat people ask themselves, right? Of what definitions do I want for myself, my body, my interactions in the world? Mm-hmm. How do I perceive myself? How do other people perceive me? And do how, does how other people perceive me matter? How do I want to influence that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trans people and fat people have, are, are sort of um, both maybe hyper-focused on in society, right? We have a lot of visibility. And so um, I think there's definitely relatable questions and experiences for for both. So as sort of a, a fat person and a trans person saying, I take up a lot of space in the world and um, transitioning takes up a, a visual space in the world. Those two worlds collide for sure. And I really think my gender transition was supported by some of the kindness, acceptance, community, um, liberation, politics that I had learned from the fat liberation movement as I entered my gender transition. So great people all around. Wow. Thank you so much for giving us like more insight into your experience, but really, you know, pulling up the Venn diagram of those intersecting identities too for us. We appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for asking. And so kind of related to that, so Soraya already mentioned, we were so delighted to have you contribute to our Men as a Matter of Fat mini-sode last season. And something you said really resonated with us and our audience. You talked about how you said, like, there's a lot of centering of thin white bodies that happen in the trans community, and that it's important for trans folks that don't always see themselves represented to show themselves that same kind of love that is shown for thin white trans people. We wanted to ask you, what are ways trans folks do that? And how can those of us who aren't trans help contribute to that shift? Yeah, that's a a great question. Um, Starting with the individual, what are ways trans folks can do that for themselves? I think it's similar to, um, you know, the, the way we consume other media, the way we talk about ourselves, um, the people we surround ourselves with. So if um, starting with the individual, um, how can trans people sort of show themselves more kindness in a in a world that is um, filled with white supremacy and um, sort of thin focused? Yeah. Um, it's it's creating an intentional world that is reflective of reality, right? Um, whether that's social media, friend groups, literature, um, therapists, right? That you want to make sure the people you're surrounding yourself with, your friends, um, recognize the pervasive power, the sort of 
slippery secret it's in everything mm. um ness of both white supremacy um cis normativity uh, queer phobia all these sorts of things so if you surround your people who can sort of call it out when you see it it will become or call it out when they see it and um people who are willing to sort of challenge you when um if you are feeling some of these things yourself of course we're all gonna um struggle at different moments but it's good to have people around you where where if you're saying man i'm i'm really feeling down on myself i'm doubting myself um that you've got people who can say well that's that's not the whole story right let's sort of zoom out a little bit and look at the fuller picture here and look at who is being prioritized and who isn't. So you can create your own priorities. You can um, make friends, follow people, read the literature of non-thin white trans people. You, there, there's significant, um, you know, more than ever, in the, you know, particularly the last few years, or maybe it's just me cultivating the community that I'm talking about. I really feel like, there is more and more um, community centered around fat, queer, um, not stereotypically masculine or feminine, trans people, people who don't pass, um, people who are not trying to look cis or act cis. Um, cis being the people who are aligned with the gender they were assigned at birth. Um, so same as we hear for um, several other several other areas where people are trying to maybe see past the the haze of white supremacy or the haze of thinness or you know these other um, things that are taught us by society that are of higher value. The same things apply. Um, diversify your world. Um, show yourself the same amount of love and right. That is the essential question, right? So you say, how can trans people show themselves the same amount of love? And I think it's just by believing yourself, right? Um, there is a tremendous, at least in my experience and when I've talked to other people, a tremendous amount of doubt mm. and um, pressure that we put on ourselves to, um, you know, and, and second guessing and this sort of thing. And those, those things can, can sort of be like, um, a, like diminishing your own truth, right? Mm -hmm. You, you don't end up questioning your gender on accident. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and I really, even if you, if the end of the journey, you're like, yeah, I'm mostly, cis or I'm mostly the gender that I was assigned at birth or I'm mostly not. Um, I really think it's a journey that everybody should go through to kind of examine here are, here are sort of the building blocks that we've all been given and that is sort of assumed throughout our life of like, this is what, this is how the world works, right? Everything that we've been told of this is how it works. Um, which is this the same for gender, the same for sexuality, same for race, same for all these things. Um, my main point being <laughs> to be, you know, you, you, you can imagine, if you can imagine yourself as your friend, would you be as hard on your friend as you are being on yourself about your gender? Probably not. 
right? If your friend was saying, hey, I'm feeling this way, I'm kind of questioning, you know, I, I might be trans, I might be non-binary. Would you say, no, you're not, right? You would never do that to your friend, so why do it to yourself? Right. Um, and similar, your follow-up question of how can those of us who aren't trans help contribute to that shift? There's the interpersonal of doing the same things, diversifying your world, um, believe people when they tell you who they yes. are, um, making space for them to tell you who they are, mm-hmm. volunteering who you are so they can feel more comfortable um, sharing themselves, going on your own journey to examine what parts of gender you like and which parts bring you joy. As I think about ways that trans people can um, – sort of cultivate joy and love for themselves. I did run across something that's been um, sort of a new perspective for me. There is a program called gender fuck, um, but it is missing the U. So it's um, G E N D E R F C K by a therapist out of Chicago named Ray McDaniel. And they have um, this gender fuck program is uh, intensive, um, sort of community and guidance that you can um, subscribe to. And and there is a financial component to it, but they also have a free email inbox and a free Facebook group. Um, And their emails are actually very inspirational. So um, something that I pulled out of a recent email that they had sent that has really got me thinking a lot about my own gender because it never, the the transition never stops, right? Um, Is, what do I want? Do I like this today? And the one that really got me is what would I do if I wasn't afraid? Mm. Um, And that one always hits home on several fronts. So um, yeah, it's just one more thing I wanted to share. So I really appreciate what you said about, you know, having people around you to like help mirror your experience, kind of give you a dose of reality and also, you know, treating yourself as you would your friends. So that just like speaks to a lot of love. And we can both uh, personally attest to the fact that you're an incredibly loving person. You love your partner, you show up for your friends in such a big way, and you have a strong love for the state fair, (laughs) uh, among many other things. Uh, As a person who seemingly provides love so freely to those around you, how have you cultivated that? And what can we generally as people in the world do to emulate you, Ben? Wow, that's extremely, um, that's extremely kind. Thank you so much. I, you know, I've been thinking about love a lot in the last year for several reasons. <laughs> I'm getting married in yes! September. We're about six months out at the time of recording. So it's going to be delightful. Things are really ramping up. Um, but also in terms of, uh, a global pandemic mm-hmm. and, and a significant civil rights, um, movement that happened here in our city, not a movement, but an event, uh, an uprising, uh, an awakening for so many people, an action, a, a community. Love looks really different to a lot of people. And I have seriously questioned um, how to love in such a a world that can make me so bitter and so yeah, sad. Yeah. Right? And so as, as hard as I love, it's, it's not all hunky dory. Um, but I have some thoughts in, over the last year that I, I do want to share that 
what I try to approach the world, myself, friends, coworkers, whatever, people I see on the news who I 100% disagree with (laughs) fundamentally Mm -hmm. is that I really believe that everybody thinks, everybody believes whatever situation they're in, whatever factors that they have going on, they, they believe that they are doing the right thing. Mm. Right. Um, I really, I really, most people in their scenario and their worldview, what they are doing, they believe is the right thing. And that is so hard to accept when I 100% think I am doing the right thing and they are not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But giving them that, that framing, I guess, to say there's something about their situation that I do not understand allows me to try to enter into a place of um, curiosity, a place of trying to find misunderstandings, um, an appreciation of different perspectives. Um, and, And if it's somebody who I've got an invested relationship in or what they are doing impacts me or somebody around me, you know, coming to a place where maybe we can have a conversation about are two different perspectives. And, you know, if we come, if we can, for the most part, understand each other as people who want to do the right thing, right is not necessarily subjective, right? So you can, you can have a conversation about somebody with somebody about, well, you think, um, you know, you think the thing you are doing is right and here's why I think I, what I'm doing is right. And for both of us, probably our core motivation is pretty similar. And we're going about it two different ways. So maybe we can find some middle ground. And if there's some pain or some hurt that they're not accounting for, that would make them not right or make me not right. I want somebody to mm-hmm. tell me, right? And I want to tell them. Um, and so that's how I'm loving the world in 2020 and 2021 is trying my hardest to believe that people believe they are right. Um, and not just right and like, oh, I'm right and you're wrong, but like people believe that they are good. So that's been hard. Um, but that's how I'm trying to love the world right now. Um, and then I also think that, you know, for how people can cultivate that in their own lives, the you know, there's so many different, um, so many different recommendations for how to be a positive person or whatever. So I'll just share what, what keeps coming back to for me is there's a, I feel like I do this at like work, right? There's these concepts about circle of control and circle of Mm -hmm. influence and these kind of things. But that's also really been helpful for me this year of what is actually in my control, what is in my influence, right? That maybe I can help persuade or help or assist or, you know, dedicate some time to, but is also dependent on other people. And what is 100% outside of my control? Um, And then the last thing I'll say about, about how, you know, your, your comment about the state fair, but my thoughts about <laughs> <laughs> how, 
how to, you know, just, just love the world is just be weird. Right. Like I really just were, it's a little bit of like positive nihilism maybe (laughs) is this, we're all like these weird little bugs on the world and whatever, you know, the feeling that you have when you're standing in front of the ocean of like, Oh, I, none of this matters. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I could just do whatever I want and it's probably going to be fine. So optimism, nihilism, I don't, I don't know all my psychology or philosophy (laughs) terms, but um, just some amount of like, if I really enjoy this super strange thing, although the safer is not strange. I'm not, I'm not claiming that it's the best time on earth. <laughs> um, right. But like, just, just be a little funky, just, just do your own thing and people are gonna probably think you're all right. So um, whatever little anxious worries you have, don't let them talk you out of stuff because you might as well just, you, you might have some fun and you might have, 75 things on a stick and that that is the definition of fun (laughs) we could not agree more (laughs) oh all of those were so such good things for us to be thinking about and thank you for kind of giving those um those perspectives for our audience and related to love and your wedding like you mentioned we got to talk a little bit more about that it's so exciting how has the planning process been going for you and like what have been some highlights so far in the planning so um my partner and I got engaged September 2019 Yep, mm-hmm. that's correct. And uh-huh. uh, we're getting married in September 2021. So we have a two-year engagement. And um, truly, w- what has been a miracle is sort of this sprint and rest model. I don't know how other people do it, but this is how we're doing it, where we pick one weekend a month and like for that weekend, it's actually this weekend. <laughs> I'm taking a little break <laughs> from it. But um uh, we pick one week in a month and we just, that's all we do all weekend is just make wedding decisions. We make lists. We're like fairly organized people. It's a fairly large spreadsheet that's <laughs> happening. Um, and COVID has been an interesting wrinkle in that. And for whatever we can look back on and um, recognize the the blessings of COVID for wedding stuff, really all of the rules got thrown out the window. Like you only want to have 12 people there. Perfect. COVID. <laughs> you don't want to, you want to have walking tacos for dinner. Perfect. COVID. <laughs> you want to um, get married in a hot air balloon. Great. COVID, you know, whatever it is like just really the, the, for me, the societal norms were never strongly there. Anyway, I grew up a queer kid and you know, so I came out as bi in 2009 um, I, I was in high school at the time. And so marriage equality wasn't there for me for the first, what did that come out? 2016, um, or 2015. I'm a bad gay. I, <laughs> it was not there for me growing up. Like marriage was not the thing that I really ever thought I was going to be able to partake in. Mm. Um, and so going through this wedding planning process from the perspective of somebody who, you know, for me, the marriage is, 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 a is an act, right? Like I, 
will say frequently, I'm already married in my heart. Mm-hmm. It's it's a choice. It's not an it's not an event. Um, it's a daily it's a daily choice. And so you don't need a piece of paper for that. You don't need um, specific kind of flowers or anybody's permission or all of that. So it's been that combination of um, sort of a reimagining of what marriage could be plus COVID being like you, whatever you thought you were going to do is not what you're going to do now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just really been very freeing to say we can do whatever we want. So um, what we want is like a um, gay uh, moonrise kingdom parent trap camp wedding. And that's what we're getting. So I'm very excited. That sounds magical. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're so excited for you. So be worth all of the, all of the weekends. So (laughs) I, so I'm wondering, as part of this process, you know, in the mini that you participated in last season, you said... If I could speak to uh, big and tall clothing designers, um, is that fat people are fucking fun, and we would like some fun clothes. So, especially fat men. I don't want to wear the gray shirt and the khaki pants or the blue and the navies and the grays. I want to wear the bright patterns, the bold patterns, the orange, the pink, the purple. So it's been really hard to find fun clothes um, and high quality clothes that go up to the size that I need them to. And so from that quote, I ask, what does that mean in terms of wedding fashion? It's actually um, not gotten any easier since that conversation, unfortunately. (laughs) So um, my two main options were to go bespoke or to put together a khakis and sport coat and button up shirt kind of thing. And I'm more of a casual person in general. So the plan at the moment is to go with the sort of a chinos and and sport coat look um which those when you look for separates are much easier to find than trying to find an emerald green suit on its Mm -hmm. own you can find those things separately and and mix and match um so that's where i'm at i did just text cat the other day in case people are interested um bonobos has what they call their prominent fit which is a hilarious term and i love it (laughs) why okay i know right Um, absolutely here for the prominent fit and i ordered they were having a sale and i ordered a bunch of shirts and truly have never found better fitting shirts in my life so go hidden bonobos um with their fat positive prominent fit I love that. I think they have up to 4X too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I love, I, I was so happy to hear from you about that. I love fashion wins. So that's, we gotta share them. that's exciting. Yeah. And the way you've described how you might pair some separates together and it, it just feels like it aligns with how you've described the vibe of your wedding. So I think mm-hmm. that that, I just, oh, I, I think that sounds just right. Um, And look forward to, um, be able to see pics of you in this outfit. Thank you. Can't wait to share. Okay, Ben, final question. What is bringing you joy right now? It could be personally, professionally, both. Um, let us know. 
So two things come to mind. Um, I was fortunate enough uh, to, and honestly busted my ass on my finances enough to buy a house this past year. Yeah. I'm very proud and very excited. And I have been painting every single room some bold shade of rainbow. What is bringing me joy is maximalist design in your (laughs) home. Minimalism is out for me. Maximalist (laughs) all the way. Yes. Um, And the other thing that is bringing me joy is Lowe's is selling, not to make this a product placement, but they are selling (laughs) a picnic table that holds up to 1,600 pounds. Okay. Um, And it is, it's collapsible. So sets up and then um, probably not collapsible for like on the go, but um, in the winter, you can fold it up into a flat line and store it so you can have this lovely picnic table for summer and collapse it down for winter now i have not put it together yet so we can talk after (laughs) see if it's still bringing me joy but uh, i am very much looking forward to a sunny summer at my very beautiful tiny yard out on this picnic table that sounds so dreamy and i wonder if this will be a dream but ben we have a surprise for you (laughs) But I hope it brings you joy. Um, we have a message from someone we know that you admire. Uh, no, you didn't. We mm-hmm. we might have. We might have. <laughs> you might have. So we are going to share a message right now from Jay Aprelio, who you mentioned in the Men as Matter of Fat mini, uh, specifically for you. Ben, thank you so much for the shout out and for the reminder of why I'm doing what I'm doing. It really, it means so much to me to have people reference words that I've said as being meaningful to them, um, because that that reminds me of the vastness of this like fat queer community and it makes me feel so heard and connected and at home. And so I feel like that's just such a gift that you gave me to feel um, like the impact of my words. So thank you so much, Ben. Y'all I'm like going to cry. That's <laughs> so sweet. I just like to be in community with such other amazing rad people. Like what, that is a huge, a huge gift. I need nothing more. I uh, thank you, Jay, for when you come across this. I'm so happy to be in community with you. So, and with the two of you, Soraya and Kat, you sneaky, lovely, <laughs> delightful friends that made my year. Oh, it just feels like there's so many connections this season. And we just were so happy to be able to, um, yeah, to like kind of share those messages around. What a, what a small fat world. I love it. (laughs) We love you. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective and your time and all the greatness that is you, Ben. Ben, where can folks find you on the internet? I'm mostly on Instagram. So um, I've got two profiles. My main one is gender bender, or it's gender ben and underscore der. Um, and my other one, I recently have started quilting, and I'm crafty of other sorts, uh, a very novice woodworker and a semi decent crocheter. So I also have a craft 
Instagram. Craftsagram? I don't know if we're doing that. Here for that, (laughs) yes. It must Um, be. And that one is called Benny Makes It. Um, All one word, Benny Makes It. So feel free to follow me there. I was actually thinking as we were coming up with questions, I was thinking like, Ben's crafty. Like, I wonder, and I had sort of wondered if maybe you would bring some crafts into what's bringing you joy. Although one could argue painting your home is kind of crafty, to be sure. Um, So I'm so glad you shared this special crafting Insta with us. And, you know, I don't even think I follow you there yet. So I'll be doing that ASAP. Thank you. You can see all all my cute little my cute little activities. Yes. <laughs> and they are bringing me joy for sure. So thank so you glad. for that reminder. So, so glad. Then, thanks for telling your story as, as a, a matter, matter of fact. Okay, so now you understand all the hype that we were talking about before, <laughs> because now you've heard the interview and how wonderful it was. But I think we should do some updates on what Ben is up to these days. Yeah, we checked in with Ben because we did record this a little while ago, and he had so much to share. Okay, so the first thing is that when this in when this episode releases, not three days later, will he be getting married? Aww. Just so exciting. I'm actually get to be a guest at their wedding. Um, and then Ben, related to wedding stuff, mentioned that he ended up getting, in terms of wedding wear, a custom emerald green suit from Milburn's in St. Paul. And he said he loves them. Oh, okay. That is such a happy ending moment for me because he was being so... I don't know, realistic about getting separates and, you know, being kind of casual, but like fashion is fun. And so I love that he gets to wear something that is fun and brilliant, just like he is. And custom and just like made just for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else? Oh, so we had, he had made a mention to this picnic table that he was like really jazzed about, but hadn't tried out yet. Um, Yeah. And so we needed like, we needed the, 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 the review of that. Um, he said it's nice, it's very lightweight, but not super comfortable for a long time. So mm. if those things for are a good need, time, not yeah, a long not time, a long time. <laughs> head to Lowe's, your local Lowe's for that <laughs> lightweight picnic table. <laughs> and then, of course, we had to ask Ben about the fair, right? Because like he loves the fair so much and it's all about that. Um, but he let us know that he didn't go to the fair this year, uh, due in large part to like, um, not being comfortable there with no mask or vaccine mandate, um, but said that he really is hopeful that he'll get to go next year when it feels safer. Okay. I think something else that is fun that isn't the fair is that Ben and Jordan are going on their honeymoon to Glacier National Park in a camper <sighs> van. In, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they're going to be super isolated and super looking forward to learning about the area from a Blackfeet-led tour company called Sun Tours. So they're super happy to support indigenous businesses in and around the national parks. And also, like, just being very mindful of avoiding colonizer vibes or, like, quote-unquote, escaping to the wilderness during COVID um, because, you know, whose land and business puts more stress and risk on those people and their areas. So I just, it sounds amazing. You love Glacier, don't you, Kat? I adore, I think Glacier National Park is one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. It is just incredible. And I was so happy to hear that they're going there for their honeymoon. And yeah, Sun Tours is the one that everyone talks about. Like, if you're going to get tours, like, this is where to go. Like, this is supporting local folks. Um, So I hope that it's just an incredible time for Ben and Jordan. 
That's wonderful. Oh, so good. So good. good Updates. I mean, I know that this interview was done a few months back, but all still very relevant. And also, I think we should debrief a little bit um, more than what we already have done. Yes, we we gave like a pre debrief, and now we're gonna actually debrief. Okay, but before we do, uh, uh, get into the interview content. I don't. We haven't had the opportunity to share this yet. I think Soraya, we should share with our audience one of our like very fun maybe one of our first memories with Ben, um, which was when Ben literally rented a 15 passenger van to drive a whole crew of us to see Lizzo on New Year's Eve, 2018. Amazing. It was, I, it, was <laughs> awesome. it was awesome. I don't have words for it because it was New Year's Eve. It was at, uh, was it the myth? <laughs> Yes. Lizzo wasn't quite as big as she is now, I guess, because it was, yeah, in like White Bear Lake at the Myth. We like, a bunch of us went with Cake. It was the first year, like, because Cake had opened that. Wait, New Year's Eve 2018. Wasn't it New Year's Eve 2017? I didn't even realize it was Cake related. I thought it was just like a bunch of fun people getting together. We we all like met at Cake and ate before we left. And I like... Cake had gifted a lot of like our staff and like our models and stuff some tickets. Cute. Okay. And, but I actually think that was our first fall. I think it was like 2017 going into 2018. We were there for New Year's of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, champagne toast hat was had at midnight. Yes. It was amazing. Um, I, it just, it was a surreal moment in the middle of nowhere is what it felt like out in White Bear Lake. Yeah. Is it White Bear Lake? I don't even it, understand where the myth was because we didn't need well, to understand because actually, that no. took us there. It's technically Maplewood. It's right okay. next to White Bear Lake. The Perkins okay. we ate at might have been in White Bear Lake, but the myth is in Maplewood. <laughs> Let's just say it's, Perkins not, after. it's not in the Twin Cities. It's not no. in the metropolitan Deep area. suburbs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was just like, I just such a fun. And like, Ben was just like so wonderful and caring to be our like van driving designated driver, getting like all of us home. Some people, I think it was a little more difficult to get home than others. Um, <laughs> and just bless Ben for that, like, oh, just so like nurturing, caring, loving um, c- contribution to that really fun New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. And that, again, like, that's why we know that Ben is so thoughtful and loving of all friends and family yeah. because of that. He, he took great care of us. He really <laughs> did. Okay, can, I, can I also tell another Ben story? So Please I do. I, Please here do. we are. Sorry we don't usually do this, but I'm especially thinking about it because Ben and Jordan are getting married mere days after this episode releases. So I remember before Cake My Shop even opened, there was like that month of September 2017 and there were lots of folks who came through to help out you were one of those folks Soraya we got you Uh painting doing different things and Jordan um, Ben's fiance soon to be wife was one of those people and I remember Jordan's like talking about oh I met someone and like it feels really exciting and like we just really have a connection and like this feels very like exciting and big and real and I was just like you know like you are when anyone talks about new relationships She's like, oh, that's so wonderful and exciting for you. But also like, who knows where this is going? You know, um, <laughs> who's to know? And lo and behold, they're getting married. And so it, I sort of feel like the length of their like love is the same age as my shop. And it just feels really beautiful. <laughs> we want to talk about like a, a fat fab power couple. There's one right there. Oh. 
yeah. truly goals. Yep. 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 There they are right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But we need to get to, sorry, this is not just like story hour. We got to get to some I mean, it literally things. is. <laughs> podcast where we share people's stories and exclusively that's okay okay. that's okay you're not wrong your story as a matter of fact it's all good it's all good Uh, you're okay you're right I just was trying to pivot out of me just like here's how I know this person and then they did this seven years ago and it was great okay back to it I could tell more Ben stories but let's talk about the fact that Tumblr is just so prevalent in any of the conversations we have this season I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're millennials. So I guess a lot of the people we're talking to fall into that same pool. And like, also, that was back in the day before it was highly regulated. And so people were really just sharing everything and uh, educating everybody. And bless it. Bless it is all I have to say. Yes. Yeah. Tumblr really just like, was a lot of people's way in to like more radical thoughts and perspectives especially around our bodies and bless tumblr for it these days Uh well i don't think it's the same but back then i haven't been on it but when i do go just to like check in i'm really astonished by what i was posting back then and really in love with it which is i think a good indication that i i still um align with myself that's so good like a time capsule we did a deep dive. So Jay talked a lot about Tumblr in their interview. And I remember in preparation for that, like, we went and looked at our old <laughs> Tumblrs, right? And we're like, preparation if we got just lost in the sauce. So yeah. <laughs> like, like 3,972 days ago, oh I gosh. posted this thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's 3,000 is an exaggeration. It's probably more like, I don't know, like 11,000 or 1,100, rather. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. In terms of recapping for all of the beautiful things Ben shared, I guess I just want to, you know, of course, this was clear, like in our discussion kind of before the interview, but Ben is so thoughtful and open and just had so much like thought provoking and like vulnerable things to share about his thought process around his identity development and fat identity development. And I just appreciated that so much. Yeah, hundred percent. And like even thinking about what brings relief and joy, like yeah. also just mm-hmm. believing in yourself. Yeah, like mentioning just how, especially with trans folks, there's a lot of doubt and pressure that they put on themselves. And yeah. then how can you create more ways to stop diminishing your own truth? It's just like these fire thoughts coming out. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what I'm taking away from this is that. <laughs> the coin positive nihilism or nihilism however it's pronounced i'm very here for it um because i feel like that encapsulates who i am as a person too like does any of it matter no but i'd like to have like a good time still so yeah yeah here we are. absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. you know in in terms of things that really stuck out I, for me i love how ben was talking about like what works for me right now what do i want for like today or tomorrow or this week and kind of that sort of reframe when like the big picture feels so tough or so like difficult to even even think about. Yeah. And you mentioned this is part of gender identity kind of exploration. And I thought that was so wise. And I, I think I my whole life have been very much like future focused. And what a lesson of just like, mm, no, it's totally OK to think about what's going to work tomorrow rather than what's going to work into two to ten years, you know? Yeah. I think about that with like 
ability, right? And like sometimes yeah. you can't think that far in advance. That's not even an option with the way that your life is set up right now. And so it's just a good reminder that you don't have to have a full plan. Or even if you figure out the type of person you want to be, maybe that's a person for a moment in time. Uh, Mm -hmm. And on like a continuation of whatever Mm -hmm. you will evolve into eventually. And I think that's also takes a lot of pressure off of it. Like, yeah, Yeah. I'm working towards this, but like that won't be me forever. And that's okay. Oh, so good. Ben was so generous with all of his like thoughts and and tips and um, I don't know. It felt like a lot of warm fuzzies. It was just a great conversation. I'm so glad we got to share it with with y'all. Yeah. Um, do we want to get into something that's not as warm and fuzzy? Oh, here it goes. <laughs> Let's get into it in the <laughs> dirt and, and discourse. discourse. It's time for the dirt and discourse. This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. And this episode, we are talking about fat suits. <sighs> Specifically, actors donning fat suits to play fat or larger characters because it's been happening forever and is always a huge disappointment. Yep. Um, but it's popping up in this certain discourse because it's happening yet again and folks are talking about it, so we also have to talk about it. The new FX series Impeachment American Crime Story has recently come out starring one of our faves, Beanie Feldstein, who plays Monica Lewinsky. That is not problematic. In fact, we love it. And also, might I add, I'm like really excited to see this show. Yeah, I'm not as excited. No, you're not. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but the reason this is like a D&D worthy upset is that Sarah Paulson, who plays Linda Tripp, Where's a goddamn fat suit, y'all? Mm-hmm. Um, while it's been referred to as some as simply a prosthetic, Reagan Chastain quipped, uh, quote, as Shakespeare once said, a fat suit by any other name would still be some harmful fat phobic bullshit. And we agree. We just sure agree. do. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. I just think fat suits in general are bad. Like, I mean, I know we can go over the history of fat suits in media. I think what immediately comes to mind for me is just like Tyra Banks. And all Mm -hmm. of her misguided attempts to connect with the populace. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it's ugly. It's ugly. Or even like This Is Us, where not Chrissy Metz, but like her boyfriend in that wore a fat suit. And it's just like, why? Why on this show where you actually have a fat person portraying a fat person, why would you have somebody else wear a fat suit then? I don't know. I don't get it. Well, it's just, I mean, there's many things wrong with it, but something that really stings is, like, fat actors don't get enough time or attention. Like, they don't get jobs. And, like, oh, because thin actors are putting on fat suits and playing fat characters. Like, let real fat people portray fat people. And to the Tyra Banks of it all, Tyra, listen to fat people and believe them when they tell you their experience rather than trying to put a fat suit on and go around town and see how people treat you. Yeah, Oh, wow. Oh, I'm like still cringing from that <laughs> decade so more. bad. Oh, I just, Yikes. it's such a good indication of the nature of the industry of not hiring for actual body diversity in right. any sense, right? This argument, there aren't talented fat actors. It's like, well, you're not hiring any talented fat actors because there definitely are some. And 
I got it in the limited research I did for this. I did see a name that has popped up in the oh, Dirt and Discourse this before. Is too good, too good. <laughs> so there's a USA Today article, uh, and I think we can call her a club member, a Dirt and Discourse club member, <laughs> uh, Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford, um, who I referenced before when she was interviewed with NPR talking about bmi and like covid she somehow found her way into this article and like we are predisposed to eye rolling since like she works in quote-unquote obesity medicine but her quote actually stands up well in this because she said why not just pick people that fit the range of actors and different body types that would be appropriate for this role which is just the main question here which is the main question she's not wrong for that question i appreciate that question dr cody stanford but man some of your other stuff seems real misguided <laughs> uh yeah i you know i uh, what you said something, Soraya, or maybe we were when we were looking at this, we were reading things. I think you maybe read this aloud, like that this this show is a lot more about like female friendship, right? Like the friendship between Monica Lewinsky and Linda Tripp. Mm-hmm. And what struck me is like, so I don't know how Beanie identified. I don't know how Monica Lewinsky would have identified. You know, I don't know if they would call themselves fat, but they're certainly bigger than people like the standard Hollywood size. And, like, this could have been a story about fat friendship, and maybe it even is or tries to be, but it, like, it it doesn't get there because, because it's not two fat people. It's someone in a fucking fat suit. And that just, it stings when, like, this, it could have gone down so much differently. Yeah. What, would you mind sharing more information about, like, anything Sarah Paulson has said about this? Okay, so, yeah, I put some quotes in here. She, this gal, um, she basically said, like, she was like, so okay, she said, quote, it's very hard for me to talk about this without feeling like I'm making excuses, end quote. Sure is. Um, And then she said, like, I think fat phobia is real. I think to pretend otherwise causes further harm. So it's like, yes, Sarah, you either understand this or have, like, people telling you the right things to say. Um. And just talked about how she wanted to, like, reflect on it more and blah, 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 blah. And I just think, like, the correct thing to do, Sarah, would have been to not accept this role. To not to not play this role. Um, and it doesn't seem like she... She said a lot about how, like, she would do things differently. But she hasn't explicitly said, no, I shouldn't have played Linda Tripp. That was a bad decision. I shouldn't have done it. Mm. Which is, I mean, of course she's not going to say that. But... I would love her too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like her saying no, it's not like she's going to burn bridges with that because this is a Ryan Murphy joint and mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy is, he has an empire. He has been making so much content for so long. He's done American Horror Story. He did Glee. He did The Politician, The New Normal. Um, Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. Is that, that what it was called? called? That one? I don't think that's what it's called. Oh no! It's like it's about old Hollywood. It was on Netflix last year. It was yeah. fine. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, Nurse Ratched. Um, he's done so many things, and, and he's quite close with Sarah Paulson, right? Well, I don't know. I would assume they're close, but she's in so many of his things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it, like having a known and esteemed actress. Also, Beanie is stoked to be working with Sarah, right? So, and that was like, of course, Beanie, you feel how you want to feel, Beanie. You can do no. Well, I shouldn't say can do no wrong, but like Beanie, I just really like think she, the world of her. But I also wish like. 
Beanie would have been like, hey, you're wearing what now? How are we doing this now? You know, it's not her job to do that. But man, I wish I wish that that would have been able to come up. And maybe who knows what people say behind closed doors versus what they say publicly. But that did feel a little weird to me. I will say like part of me feels removed from this conversation because I was so young when this happened. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that experience was like for Monica, for Linda, for anybody who's being portrayed. Um, Linda has since passed too. So I think that's an interesting facet of this. Yeah, really recently. Um, But, you know, when we looked back at photos, it's like Linda Tripp didn't seem fat necessarily, which I know it's hard for us to say whether someone is or isn't fat, but like, just didn't look that way but maybe that's different based on like what our standards are now or like how things I I don't know it's just hard it's hard for me to pinpoint why this would be a situation to have someone in a fat suit yeah I mean I think so like I this is not a perfect science especially with pictures I'm actually quite good at this when I see people in real life but I would estimate from the photos I've seen Linda Tripp maybe was like a size 18 20 maybe a 22 potentially like a medium size plus size person possibly but I think what we were talking about Soraya that felt like and the word like prosthetic used to describe a whole fat suit I think that's some bullshit but like Linda Tripp had like a really kind of like distinct chin. And I feel like if you wanted to like, I don't know, I don't know what the, what people, what, what people are doing these days in Hollywood, but like, if you really want to look like someone like hire someone, if you can't hire someone that looks quite like them, cool. Like do like a little facial prosthetic to like make a chin different or make a nose different or make, you know, like something a, a distinctive about a person different, put a mole on them, put some, you know, like, I feel like that in my book is appropriate. Um, but when we're messing with people's body size, that feels, oh, just so misguided. Hmm. Yeah. And it gets It gets weird when you think about Hollywood and how there are actors who have changed their body size to meet certain role requirements. And so then I think the argument is, is like, is it good for an actor to go through like huge weight or like body transformations to meet that? Or or is a prosthetic or some other things better for them? Or do we just, yeah, I don't know. It's We just hire a different actor. Yeah. 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 And I I know you're not super excited to watch this. I actually am and I think it's because I listened to a podcast about this um a couple of years ago and it and because like when I this was, we were pretty young when this was going on mm-hmm. and it was when I listened to this podcast series it was really clear to me that like I didn't really get what was happening. Um and so it was very interesting to be able to kind of learn a little bit more. And so yeah, that the story of it all and Beanie of course makes me excited to to watch this. Yeah, I don't know. I just we don't need any more fat suits. No, we I think don't. Is what it is, we don't. And they've been. I mean, yeah, fat suits all around. I guess one like silly thing we can mention. <laughs> oh, maybe we should suggest. I'm sure she'll do it. Rosie Blair on Instagram does lots of series about fat actors and fat suits, and she does this thing. She, I think it's a real series, and she's like, "Fat suits rated and graded by an actual fat person," and I just <laughs> think it's so great. And <laughs> so yeah. I uh, I look forward to this episode of that because uh, it'll be a good one. Much like our wishes for the use of fat suits, this episode has come to an end. Oh, Saraya, that was good. <laughs>
forward. It is <laughs> not pre-written, y'all. Right off the dome. Off the cuff. We did it Listen. live. We did it live. And when I listen back, I'm sure it won't make any sense. But if you do want more from us, you know where to go. Find us on Instagram at Matter of Fat Pod or on our website at www.matteroffatpod.com. Yeah, on our website, you'll find show notes, transcripts, info about Matter of Fat, links to all of our socials, and access to our older episodes. Yes, all of that. But oh, don't you know what you won't find on our website? Info about upcoming podlucks. It's been a good run, but we've decided to put a pause on podlucks. We've so appreciated being with y'all. Um, but as of right now, they're, they're held, we're holding off. We're holding off. We have very much enjoyed spending time with everyone who's been part of those and discussing podcasts as a matter of fact. Um, and if you were curious about the th- the episodes or the podcasts that we've covered in previous podlocks, I think we've maybe done, I don't know, 10, 12 of them. Um, they're all listed on our website uh, and you can find that information there. And if you love the pod and want to send some monetary support our way, get into the Fat Cash. We're on Venmo at Matter of Fat Pod, and you can find more info about Fat Cash on our website. This episode's Fat Cash shoutouts go to Tenna and Bethany. Thank you both so much for your support. And hey, if you would like to hear your name right here at the end of our next episode, you can pop over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review or send some funds our way on Venmo. Of course, like always, both are never expected, but always so, so appreciated. Yeah, we are honestly so delighted to be able to share this project with you and so appreciate any interaction you have with us. Um, But this is about it from us. We'll be back soon. We'll publish uh, another episode in in two Wednesdays. I guess it depends on when you listen to it. Every other Wednesday. Yeah, every other Wednesday. The next episode will be a fattish episode where we just, you know, chat about all the things. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to get into it in our next episode, all as a matter of fact. Matter of fact.